American football in Finland. I don't think that they have the the tenacity as a team to want to pull this upset. <laughs> and they have to simply do what they do. They don't need to get fancy. A lot of times teams this good, they get so bored, they start to do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. I think they just need to come out and do what they've been doing. I, I don't care what nobody say, but when it comes playoff time, them boys step up. And I know from experience. Uh, I'm going to go Roosters, obviously. That's how good he was. Like, he was that guy for that team. American football in Finland. The voice in your ears right now is Perfect Purvis, and this is American Football in Finland. First-time listeners, welcome to the show. I hope you guys enjoy brutally honest football analysis and opinions, because I'm all out of bullshit. Returning followers and AFF faithful, you know what it is. T-I-F. Today I'm discussing the 2018 Maple Leaf Playoffs. This weekend, four teams will compete for a chance to play in the 39th Vatermalia. The Helsinki Roosters, Quopio Steelers, Wassa Royals, and Porvo Butchers each have played well enough this year to make it to the postseason. Today there will be special guests joining AFF to help me analyze these four teams heading into the playoffs, and also we'll have a few player interviews from these teams as well. Let's get it. First, I'm going to name the guest who I'm more excited to have because I've never had him on the show, and that's Eric Forstrom from the Quopio area. Eric, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, Vincent. Glad to be here today. And then I have, you know, some regulars on the AFF podcast. First up, the social media guru. I've seen more pictures of this man's daughter than I have him online because that's the type of guy he is. Jabari Harris. Welcome to the show, Jabari. <laughs> it's good to be back, man. And last but not least, the guy who does the top 10 videos, who's constantly watching Finland, even though he ain't bringing his ass here yet, Coach Q. <laughs> welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. First up, let's talk about the number one seeded team, the six-time Maple Bowl champions, the Helsinki Roosters. Before we get into the Roosters' team analysis – Let's hear from one of their key players, Brandon Connett, and what he has to say about his team heading into the playoffs. I'm here with Helsinki Roosters quarterback, Brandon Connett. Brandon, welcome to the AFF podcast, man. Appreciate you having me, Perf. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about the playoff situation you guys got coming up. Obviously, you're number one seed. You're undefeated in the season. But playoffs is where dreams can be made, dreams can be dashed, anything can happen. So going into this playoffs, how, do, how does the Roosters team feel? How do you guys feel about this situation that you're in right now? For the most part, we're healthy, um, and we, we've got a lot of young depth, which is really good, really nice, a, a lot of depth that we didn't have last year. Um, especially on offense, last year on offense. I remember we went into the playoffs and we literally only had five linemen and we had four receivers. And as soon as you got to like the fifth or sixth receiver, it was kind of shaky. And if you got to the sixth lineman, it was definitely shaky. And so, and then I'd say running back was really the only position last year, offensively speaking, at least that we really actually had depth and it was only two guys. So this year we've got so much more depth on the offensive side. We've got, I mean, five receivers that can start any day and then we're comfortable with with six as well six and seven I guess um, and then lineman wise we have like seven offensive linemen who can start a game and 
hopefully gets uh, Sampa back by the beginning of the playoffs. And then running backs, we've got obviously Henry and Kari are just the two-headed monster. Uh, also, you have Alexander as well uh, as a third running back. So offensively, we feel really healthy. We feel like we're getting so much great competitive practices or so many great competitive practices against our defense. I mean, we practice against the best defense in the league every single day. So uh, we feel really confident or confident in what we're doing and what we're able to get out of those practice sessions that we really, we feel like the only way we can lose going into the playoffs or is if we beat ourselves. So um, right now we're playing really good football and hopefully we can just keep that train rolling. What about you? Uh, Brandon kind of at the quarterback, you're, you're the guy for the Roosters. Obviously you're a leader on the field and off the field going into the playoffs. It's a little bit different atmosphere. It's winter go home. It's not, well, we can try to get these things done. It's kind of, you got to win, get it over with and move on to the next one. You as a player, how do you mentally prepare for these situations that you've been in before and now you're going to be in again? You talking about it and saying winter go home and all this stuff, it puts so much unnecessary pressure. The way I look at it, I can remember even last year's playoffs, like it was a little bit more nervous because the Roosters had won so many Maple Bowls in a, in a row and geez, I'm the new quarterback here. What if like I'm the one to break that trend or something? So there's a little bit more, I guess, nerves going into it. But this year, I mean – you just treat it all like it's the same game. I mean, it's the same thing going to Vienna and playing against Vienna. I'm, I mean, obviously one of the best teams in all of Europe. And, I mean, I feel like not only me, but the whole team was able to go in and just be calm. And we did, I didn't feel like anybody was just overstressed about the game. It was just like another – we treated it like another game. And uh, so I think that that's the same way we'll treat the playoffs. The playoffs will just be another game to us. We're not going to look at it as a big picture where – the playoffs is a two-game thing. First, we're going to have to take care of the Butchers in game one, and then we'll hopefully get out of that one alive and make it on to the finals again. But, yeah, you just can't you can't look at it as too big of a picture. Whenever you start looking at it as a, the playoffs is a big picture, that's when you can kind of start to get overwhelmed by the stress levels of it. So you take it one play at a time, one game at a time, and if you can, if you can get mentally to the state where you can treat it as just any other game, then, I mean – anybody can be fine in the playoffs. And, well, I think any team will play better whenever they have that mentality. Sometimes you see teams who try to overhype up the playoffs and they try to do too much, especially early in a game. And as soon as you try to do too much early in a game, you exert too much energy or you lose focus, and then that's when you actually lose the games. Why should people come watch the Roosters in these playoff games, man? Sell your sport. Why should people come watch you guys? We are the most exciting offense I'm just going to speak offensively for a few seconds, but the most exciting offense I think I've ever seen or been a part of. Um, there's so many different players that can score from any part of the field. Uh, and, it I mean, you never know when we're going to strike. And I think it, this year a, a little bit of difference is with the running back, Scott. He brings in a kind of – we have like a power running game going on right now, which is really exciting to watch on a spread offense. And then defensively, we, we force turnovers left and right – four sacks left and right. So our defense is a very aggressive defense, always flying around the ball, always looking for to make the big plays. So both sides of the ball, you're going to see see fireworks from the Roosters, and uh, that's why you should come watch the Roosters. <laughs> All right. that's You got me sold, man. I want to watch the Roosters. Uh, well, Brandon, that's all I got for you today. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, good luck to you guys this weekend and in the playoffs. 
Appreciate it, Purvis. Before we even go into talking about the Roosters, let's go over some of the numbers for the Roosters. They're first in the Maple League in almost every statistical category. Points scored, defensive points allowed, total offense they're first, total defense they're first. Uh, the only things they're not first in as a team is rushing, they're the second in the league. And time of possession, they're last. This is the fastest scored offense in the Maple League. They don't need time of possession because they score that fast. Key player stats for the Helsinki Roosters, Brandon Connett, the quarterback, 64.5% completion rate this season, 2,861 yards, 43 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. And he also had 362 rushing yards and five touchdowns. Brandon Connett is number one in all passing categories in the Maple League. And he also led the Helsinki Roosters in rushing this season. Uh, side note, he was number eight in the league in rushing, but he led the Roosters' rushing attack. Also for the Roosters, you got Adam Connett, the wide receiver, who has 70 receptions, 975 yards, and 17 touchdowns this year. And he averaged 25.9 yards per kick return. He was number one in all receiving categories, and he had the, the highest kick return average in the Maple League. On the defensive side of the ball, Oko Otenen playing defensive lineman had 27 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for a loss, six and a half sacks on the season. He was tied in first in the league in sacks and number four in the league in tackles for loss. His partner in crime, Tony Avanen, the other defensive lineman, had 30 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, also had six and a half sacks, tied for number one in the league in sacks, but he was number two in the league for tackles for losses. And the last guy we're going to talk about from the Roosters, Curtis Top Shelf Slater, the defensive back, had 54 tackles, nine tackles for loss, six interceptions, six interceptions, six pass breakups. He averaged 21.3 yards per kick return and averaged 13.2 yards per punt return. He was number two in interceptions this season. This would be the first season he wasn't number one. He was number one in passes defended, and he was also number one in punt return average this year. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I have to take this time to give some of my listeners a much needed wake up call. It's 2018, people. If you're listening to this podcast from a link, you're doing it wrong. Just follow American Football in Finland on the Podbean app and get instant notifications when new episodes are published. If you're too lazy to use the Podbean app, that's okay. AFF is also on the iTunes podcast app. So just type in American Football in Finland and click the subscribe button. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating while you're at it. And Android users can subscribe on Google Play. It's 2018, people. Keep up. Yeah. Okay, so talking about the Roosters, let's let's get into this team. This season is over. They're getting into the playoffs. Let's talk about some things with the Roosters. First thing we want to talk about is their team strengths. Q, tell us about some of the team strengths for the Helsinki Roosters. Uh, starting off with the first strength for me was explosive players. I mean, these guys can make plays anytime, any play. Um, it's hard to match up against these guys unless you have athletes all across your defense. Um, so that – Strength in itself is, is, is a big plus for them. Um, it's hard to game plan against them. Um, another uh, 
uh, strength that I had for him is the offensive line. The Roosters off the line give Brandon so much time to, to move the ball around and spread the ball around. Like I said, it's very hard to stop them. And like you said, Brandon can also hurt you running the ball. So it's it's, it's going to be hard to stop those guys in these playoffs. I like to say uh, one of their strengths is their great defense. As you said earlier, they have the number one overall defense in major character categories, and it's because they have also good depth at the skill positions. On that offense, they have tons of guys in the backfield at receivers that's rotating in every game and still able to keep up the same production. So in my opinion, that's one of the two things that makes them very dangerous is their defense and their depth at the skill position. I, I feel like um, trying to evaluate the Roosters is very hard in general because you can almost list every single part of their team as a strength and hardly any weaknesses. My main two things that I listed as the team strengths today is the connect connection because that's the bread and butter of their passing offense and scoring a whole lot of points. And as the second part is the offensive line that keeps the whole offense together, gives a lot of a lot of lots of room for the rushing offense, and of course keeps Connect out of trouble. And even if it didn't, Connect could still just well rush himself to the to the goal line. So I picked those two. All right, for me, I think that. The defensive secondary for the Roosters is one of their main strengths. I think it kind of gets overlooked because their defense is so well overall. But that secondary group, they have, I want to say, what, six, almost seven players now with actually Olin coming back. They have seven guys who rotate in the defensive backfield, and they play nickel-dime formations and match up against any team in the league. And they've been doing it all year. And it's seamless. Like you have guys who are under 20 years old in that defensive backfield who can play just as well as, you know, somebody like Curtis Slater or Nico Quicker who's been playing, who has a lot more experience. The defensive secondary for the Helsinki Roosters is really good. It's probably the best secondary I've seen in a very long time in Europe. Uh, that's it for the strengths. Let's talk about the weaknesses if they have any. Uh, Q, do you think that the, the Roosters have any weaknesses? Uh, man, it's it's hard to say that the Roosters have any weaknesses because we haven't seen any. We haven't seen anybody really push them and um, force them to have to adjust to, to anything. So it's kind of hard. I say the only weakness probably right now is just they haven't lost. So uh, you know, it's 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 the thing to go into every game thinking you're going to win and, and knowing you're going to win. So as long as they keep playing the way they are, you know, they they don't have any weaknesses right now. So it's it's that that's a hard one. I'm gonna say, man, their weakness is that they don't kick field goals, man. They haven't attempted, <laughs> they haven't attempted a single field goal at all season. So, I mean, I know you don't have to when you're scoring all the time, but I mean, that's it's so like you said, like everyone says, it's like it's it's hard to find many weaknesses for them. But one thing that I can point out, looking at their roster, is they are thin at the offensive line and defensive line depth. They do have a good offensive line and defensive line, but they're not as deep at the lineman positions as they are at skill. So that's one thing to look out for this team is if they can keep the offensive line and the defensive line well, because we all know that that offensive line is what keeping Brandon healthy. So you never know what can happen in the playoffs if a starting tackle or guard rolls an ankle and you have a junior that doesn't have much experience coming in. That's something that could be a weakness but hasn't shown to be one all season. Yeah, I was trying to bust my head on – what I could like pick here. And the only thing I kind of with a 
gun at my head came up with was that the Steelers is pretty much the only team who's managed to score a bunch of points on the passing offense. So if you really have to pick something like maybe the one, one place, if you really manage to get the ball rolling, ball rolling well on the air then maybe their pass defense could be abused if, if if it's a good day for the offense the roosters roosters um um defensive backs have a bad day so but pretty much roosters in the maple league at this moment don't have any real obvious weaknesses that's for sure yeah y'all are all better than me i put down none for weaknesses for the roosters <laughs> y'all are crazy they don't have any weaknesses i don't care what anybody says there's not a weakness <laughs> over there Let's talk about some of the key players. Obviously, I named a few guys with stats, but you guys probably know some more players who are worth mentioning. So, starting with Q, name some key players for the Roosters, man. Uh, key players for the Roosters for me, like you said, Sammy is uh, coming back to the O-line, and, you know, he's a lot of heart and a lot of, you know, uh, enthusiasm on that line. He's the leader of the O-line. So, having him back for the playoffs is real good for the Roosters' offensive line. Um, other key players is Oko. You know, Oko is a, is a beast, man. And playoff time comes, he always steps up. He always make plays. Uh, other than that, you got the obvious, you know, Adam. Like, he's been balling all year. Um, but but I'll stay more to the finish side. Can't forget Alka, Alexander Wasajev. He's He's been making plays all year, too. That's another guy you got to always keep up with. So, those those are my key players. I'm going to throw out young Kari, man. He's uh... – He's been a rising phenom in Finnish football for the last two years, and I think that he's emerged more this year behind that offensive line. And he's um, one of the top scorers in the league at his age at running back. And so um, him, I think he's going to be one of the key players. But also, this is a guy that's not really mentioned a lot, but I think people forget about Kojo Davis. The reason that I, I mentioned his name is because he's a guy that's overshadowed all the time. But yet he's a guy that they have to bounce around a lot because he's really a safety playing corner. So sometimes you can see him playing. Sometimes he is one of the guys that people try to try to pick at because they don't want to go to Curtis. And most of the time, they Alexi Olin is known for being a good corner. So watch out for any matchups with Kojo in the playoffs because I think that if there is a spot on that defense that people may want to try, it's him at corner because that's not his natural position. That's so funny because they might pick they might they're picking on one of the six national team players that they have. So yeah. I mean being the the weakest link on that group of defensive backs is not that bad. Exactly. Thank you for leaving me the obvious choice. So um, my number one key player was, of course, Brandon Connett. I'm the passing offense fan of the entire group probably here. So, And the other player, of course, is Adam Connett. Since we're going into the playoffs, the, the Connett connection is going to be very relevant, I think, in the Roosters' offense. But someone from the defense, I feel like Curtis Slater is, is going to really shine against the Butchers and hopefully against the Steelers later on. He's the... He's definitely definitely the guy to follow on the Roosters' defense, in my opinion. Of course, there are a lot of other guys, but you already mentioned mentioned those. Yeah, I think you you really like saying Connect Connection, Eric. Oh, I yeah, I, it, I it really do. I, tongue, I, I mean, I hate him to my bone, that the <laughs> Brandon. But but yeah, you can't argue with with that. He's he's a great player, and he's working really well with his brother. It, at least you say it correctly. Q says something like Connick or something. Like, how do you say his name, Q? I said the kind of the kind of connection. By the way, I made that whole little saying, so 
I can say it the way I want to. Now. If you listen it, uh, it was originated uh, by Coach Q. The, the <laughs> connection. For me, uh, key players for the Helsinki Roosters, I'm going to go with their cornerbacks. Uh, Marcus Pearson is a long, rangy cornerback who plays really good defense, is really good around the ball. And then the young guy, Vilio Limpinen, also on the other side, just as good, coming into his own, being able to, like, contribute to this team this year even more than he did last year. And an interesting thing is adding actually Olin into the mix now later in the season because now you have three legitimate corners who can play lockdown corner if you need them to be. And what the Roosters have started doing later in this season is young, young Vilio – I've seen him play nickelbacker, corner, and safety. I've seen him play in three different spots on his defense because they do rotate between a nickel and dime package, and he's the guy that's been able to move. <laughs> They've actually put him at nickel sometimes and brought in the, the other young guy, what is his name, Vilho Pivalainen. I can't say his name, but you know who he is. So these three corners, though, what they're able to do by having these corners that can play both man-to-man and zone defense and rotate and play nickel backers. Actually, Olin, he can play nickel backer as well. They run a similar defense on the national team and actually was playing nickel backer on that, in that, on that team. And he can do the same thing for the Roosters. So with those three guys being able to play corner and nickel backer, it gives them a lot of matchups that teams can't stop defensively. And they're able to, one, they can go man whenever they want to with these three guys on the field and then just put pressure on teams. And it just gives them a lot of options defensively. Hats off to the defensive coordinator, Kale, as well. So let's move on to keys to success. What do the Roosters need to do to be successful in these playoffs in, in both this first game and the championship if they make it? Wink, wink. I wish you this was video so you could see me doing air quotes. Uh, well, my keys to success for the Roosters is basically for those guys to move the ball. Uh, get the momentum going early in the game. Uh, control the clock, spread the ball around. Um, their defense definitely have to get turnovers, have to get pressure on whatever quarterback they go against. Um, just be them. Be who, be, the, be who the Roosters are and be who they are, who they were all season. And uh, that'll, that'll bring them success like it has the last 10 weeks of the season. I think that they just have to simply play Rooster football. I mean, they, they've <laughs> commandingly beat everybody this year doing what they do. I think that because they have the same quarterback in the same court, that they're even more seasoned this year going into the playoffs. And uh, secondly, just keep Brandon healthy. I mean, he's been in he's been in good shape this year, and that line has been allowing him to just stay in the pocket and just be a full time passer. So I think those are the two things they have to do: play rooster football and keep the keep the breadwinner healthy. With the same opinion as Jabari, I mean, just hold it together, really. Keep doing what they're doing, and they haven't really failed. A single match this season or I've lost a single one. I haven't even made, made that many mistakes. So they're going to be really hard to beat if they just play, just as Jabari said, Brewster's football. Nothing really else. Just keep do, doing what you're doing and that's going to be it. Yeah, I'm just going to say exactly what you all said. For the Helsinki Roosters, I'm just, y'all's keys to success, man. Do you, boo. Do you. If you like the AFF podcast, be sure to check out my website, perfectpurpose.com, for more football. I have new articles published daily about football in Suomi, 
interview articles on import players from around the globe, and I dabble in the interest topics about different aspects of American football on the international level. If you want more football, go to perfectpervers.com and follow me as I observe football around the world. Next, let's discuss the second-seeded Quopio Steelers. Before we get into the Steelers team analysis, let's hear from one of the key players, Yanni Lindquist, and what he has to say about his team heading into the playoffs. I'm here with defensive lineman Yanni Lindquist of the Quopio Steelers. Yanni, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, good to be here. All right, man, we just want to ask you a couple of questions about the, the playoff situation. Quopio Steelers, that's your, your home team. You're back with the team this season in their first year in the Maple League. First year, you're in the playoffs. How does the Quopio Steelers team feel about being in the playoffs this season in their first season in the Maple League? Well, uh, I think it's not a surprise that we are in the, in the playoffs because we have a really good team. I think we have a great quarterback and of course great offense. I think it's 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 not a surprise that we are in the in the in the playoffs. So So now you guys are you're the number two seed going into the playoffs. You're expected to obviously win the first game and then maybe make it to the Maple Bowl. But before we get ahead of ourselves, what is it about the Quopio Steelers that you guys do so well that you think you're gonna be able to continue doing in the playoffs? I think the offense uh it's good to the ball. And uh, of course, we have great athletes in there. Of course, Tina Dongo, Johannes Jauhjanen, and of course, the imports are really good. And then I think uh, our defense needs to play better. That if we we need need to uh, win the Roosters and the and the Royals, but I think the offense is been awesome in this season. So that's why we are in this point right now. Uh, Steelers, you guys have a great fan base. You get a lot of people at your games. But here's a chance to kind of ask some more people to come to the games. Why should people come watch the Quopio Steelers in these playoff games? Well, of course, uh, we are, I think we, there, we have a great home field. Of course, the Vandal name is awesome place to, to be and watch the games. I think we have a lot of, lot of different stuff in the, in, in the game, not just the game. That's why I think we have good audience. Uh, of course, Eric is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, we have a good, good team, so fun to watch. Thank you, Yanni Lindquist, for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate you doing a quick interview with me, and good luck to you guys in the playoffs this year. Hey, thanks. Here are the Steelers 2018 Maple League stats. They're second in the league in points scored, but fourth in the league in points allowed. Total offense, they come in second. They led the league in rushing and were number two in passing. On the defensive side of the ball, the Steelers were fifth this year, giving up 400 yards of total offense per game. They were last in pass defense. Key player statistics, let's look at Seth Peters, the quarterback, completed 57.4% of his passes, had 2,450 yards, 32 touchdowns with only three interceptions, he was number two in all passing categories this year. Justin Bell, playing running back and defensive back, had 690 yards rushing, averaged nine yards a rush, scored 10 touchdowns on the season, also had 34 tackles, two pass breakups, and two interceptions on the defensive side. 
Justin Bell compiled 1,398 all-purpose yards this season, averaged 10.6 yards per punt return, and averaged 25.4 yards per kick return. He was number four in the league in rush yards, number two in the league in rush touchdowns, and led the league with his nine-point rush average. He was number four in all-purpose yards, number two in punt return average, and number three in kick return average. Another star player for the Quopio Steelers, Charles Ward, the wide receiver slash defensive back. Charles Ward has 608 yards receiving with 12 touchdowns. He averaged 21.7 per catch. Also had 26 and a half tackles and two pass breakups. Ward had 1,124 all-purpose yards and averaged 19.3 yards per kick return. He was number one in receiving average this season, number two in receiving touchdowns, and number four in total receiving yards. Another standout player, Donovan Hayden, the linebacker who also got a little bit of time at running back, led the league with 102 tackles, also led the league with 14 and a half tackles for loss. He added up another three sacks, had five pass breakups, and two forced fumbles on the season. Yanni Linquist is another defensive standout for the Steelers. This season he had 28 and a half tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss. He was number four in the league in tackles for loss. Had six and a half sacks where he actually tied for first in the league this season and even had one interception for a touchdown. Jumping right into the Steelers, we'll let Eric talk first about the team strength since this is his home team. What do you got for team strengths for the Quopio Steelers? Okay, the two things that I've listed as the obvious strengths of the Steelers, I really, really love their passing offense. They got, they got a great quarterback, Seth Peters, my man Seth Peters, and a whole bunch of good targets who can all make plays, like Tina Dongo, Johannes Jauhan, and, and especially, especially Charles Wart when Utrianen uh, plays him as a wide receiver. And uh, one player in particular has really stepped up during the season and made himself to be uh, a real difference maker and he's Ville Lindsten, the fullback. He's the power of football man of, of the Steelers and I really love to shout his name out in the stands when I'm announcing the games and I think those are the, I mean, it's obvious that the strengths of the Steelers are in the offense and the weaknesses will be in the defense. So, so um, it's it's really going to come down to how Seth is going to be able to move the ball around with the receivers. And then to finish those critical third and fourth downs, we need Villa Linston and his power football to go through the line and get the first down. Uh, the Corpio's uh, team strengths I got. Uh, pretty much Seth Peters, man. He's the way he's been, you know, moving the ball around with those guys. Like you say, Tino, Charles Ward. You know, they've been making plays all year for Seth. Uh, they look real explosive at times. I won't say at times. I'll say most games they look real explosive. Uh, their offense put up points too. You know, next to the Roosters, these guys are putting up points at any at any time. So uh, strengths would just be the the ability for a lot of those guys to make plays. And just get the ball, you know, to the playmaker's hand. Get the ball to Charles Ward. You know, he's he's a big play guy. Anytime the ball is is, is getting to him, he's making th- things happen. So that's two of their major strengths for me. I agree with these guys. I love the the offense, but I want to say I like how balanced their offense is. Let's not forget how well Justin Bale is running that ball in the backfield this season when he's healthy. I mean, I think that the way that they use their imports on the offense, the way that they have the 
opportunity to throw Charles in there as a receiver and to also bring Justin in in the backfield to get some yards on the ground. I like how balanced they are. Um, I think that they ended up this season having one of the top rushing offenses in the year um, over the Roosters. So I like how balanced their offense is. But one thing I'm going to talk about is turnover margins. I think that Corpio had the best turnover margin this year because that defense definitely has playmakers that can make big plays. Let's talk about Donovan Hayden over here who led the league in tackles with, I think, over 100, about 101. So I think that those are the strengths for the team, just being able to be balanced on offense and to be able to make turnovers on defense with their big-time playmakers. Well, y'all basically said everything needs to be said about Seth Peters, so I won't add anything to that. Of course, that was one of my strengths as well. But Seth one, for president, man. Yeah, Seth for president, right? Yeah, uh, I'd vote for that guy, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Love Seth Peters. What really sets them apart is their import versatility. The fact that Charles Ward, Justin Bell, Donovan Hayden, and Seth Peters have all contributed to their running game on the offensive side. Charles Ward, Donovan Hayden, and Justin Bell are three of their top players on defense in total tackles on the season. These imports, they are the the standouts on their team and they do more for their team than most people do. And the thing is that that versatility is not something that's easy to be done. There's other teams in the league that have players playing on both sides and you see a drop off. Justin Bell is one hell of a running back, but he's even better safety and there's no drop off. He still is making plays on defense when he can and making plays on offense. Same thing with Charles Ward. These two guys are playing both sides of the ball like they are two people at the same time. That versatility is rare. It's not easy to find that players can play it at such a high level. And these guys can. Even Donovan Hayden didn't know that he was a running back. They threw him in the mix. And he scores touchdowns. He doesn't carry the ball that much. But when he get in there, he's getting yards and scoring touchdowns. Those imports being able to play on both sides of the ball and help that team elevate to a higher level than what their domestics can do at this point because they have a lot of young domestic players who will get better. But bridging that gap with these type of imports and the versatility they have, that's a major strength for this team that a lot of teams can't say that they have. Let's talk about the weaknesses. I know this is going to be tough for you, Eric. What are some of the weaknesses of the Quopio Steelers? Well, yeah, you're definitely right. This is a hard topic for me since I'm perhaps slightly biased towards the Steelers. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, it's fairly obvious that the weakness in general with the Steelers is their defense. And I am, I'm having trouble to, f- to understand why that particularly is because we, because we do have really great players like Donovan Hayden and Santeri Inkinen in the backfield and Yanni Lindquist and Felix Antoine on the defensive line. And, I mean, the problem probably is this kind of lack of cohesion on defense for some reason. The numbers really speak for themselves, both on the rushing defense and the passing, uh, passing defense. For some reason, Steelers just seems to give up plays, and those third and fourth down conversions are really coming up, uh, coming up against, against them. So if they want to succeed in the playoffs, the defense does... Well, um, Petri Pellinen, the defensive coordinator, really has to come up with something to improve their play. Otherwise, there's a real chance that the Royals might, well, surprise us. Of course, that's not going to happen, but the chance is always there. Uh, for my weaknesses, it was uh, just to kind of bump off of what Eric was saying, was the defense. Um, 
sometimes they look real good and sometimes they're just, you know, they're just giving up plays that probably shouldn't happen. Uh, I'm not sure if it's communication or the scheme, but um, they have to play better defense. Uh, I mean, they are strong on offense, so sometimes your defense can can give up those plays and your offense is going to score points, so it doesn't seem that bad. But now it's the playoffs time now, and you, and, and you got to make teams work for those touchdowns. So can't have any blown plays coming into this uh, playoffs. I'm going to have to say not just the defense, but I'm going to point out to the run defense. If you guys check the stats, I think Corpio is next to last in run defense per game. I think that that's one of the challenges that they've had this year, not because they don't have a great, great athletes, but I think that they're still a young team that's adjusting to the speed of the Maple League. And they're also going up against many more imports at one time. If people don't know about Corpio, they have almost the same cast of players from their first division team. So these are young guys still gelling together on another level. Their weakness is going to be the the rushing defense. I mean, I think that they finished next next to Porvo almost uh, last in rushing defense. So they're going to just have to be able to just step up with those young guys and just gel together in the playoffs. And secondly, depth. As uh, I think Eric and uh, Q mentioned before that, they have a lot of ton of skilled players and a lot of big-name players, but they don't have a lot of depth at those skilled positions. For an example, I think at the beginning of the year, Charles had to take on a lot of the responsibility at receiver when Tino was out because they don't have a ton of other guys that are making plays like that. They do have guys that can make plays, but they don't have a bunch of Charleses, a bunch of Justins, and there's definitely not another Seth Peters I don't think even in the league. So those are the things that they're going to have to be able to focus on. They're just going to have to step up and just peel their ears back when it comes to the running game. And they're just going to have to make sure that they keep their playmakers healthy and not suspended. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Hopefully nobody point. gets suspended in the playoffs. <laughs> I just I just feel like the SAJL just had it out for poor Charles, man. I don't care what nobody say. I like how he plays. I was going to say defense, but you guys harped on that pretty well. But um, one thing that I think is a little interesting is the Steelers' offense on first and second down. If you look at the stats, obviously no one will, but we here do. <laughs> if you look at the stats, they, they do well on third downs. And watching the games, they actually score a lot on third down situations. But waiting until third down will catch up to you eventually. And the two games that they lost to the – the Helsinki Roosters, there were situations where they would get to third down, they couldn't dig out of those holes that they could against all these other teams in the Maple League. And obviously, they're not playing the Roosters this weekend, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm looking at them as a holistic team and how they can play their best football. For them to play their best football, they need to be able to get more consistent first and second down production so that they can have options on third down. They're better in a third and two, third and three situation. Even though I've seen Seth Peters scramble for 10 yards on third and 12 or third and nine or third and eight plenty of times. But at some point, you've got to say, you know what? We're going to use first and second down. So they're on third down instead of us having to pull something out of our But we can actually just keep moving the ball. So I think that's something that they really need to work on going into these playoffs. Let's go to key players. Uh, Eric, who are some of the key players for the Quopio Steelers? Well, you might be easy to guess what I've picked here. Mr. <laughs> Seth Peters, of course, and his receiving core. From the defense, I'm there's only like really one guy 
who is dominating on the defensive side, and that's Mr. Donovan Hayden. He's like over 10 tackles per game, averaging at, at this point. So I'm really hoping that he stays healthy during the playoffs, and he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the key players definitely against the Butchers. And then, then if we get get to face face the Roosters in the Maple Bowl, perhaps then that's gonna be his game definitely. He's really motivated. And the last key was the guy who I already mentioned before, Mr. Ville Lindsten, who I feel like is going to do some really big plays during the game against the Royals, definitely. My key players are starting off one of Charles Ward, um, right along with Tino, and my boy Tapio on the, on the O-line. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a passionate guy. He loves the team, hard worker. Uh, so those are some of the key players for me. I have to agree with Q, man. I like I like Charles Ward and Tino. I mean, the duo, I think that Tino's only played six games this year, but if you check the stats, like Purvis said, nobody really does. In those six games, he's emerged to the top of the league as one of the leaders in receptions in the league in just those six games. Uh, Tino is averaging 113 all-purpose yards per game since he's been back. That's, like, good for top five in the league. If he would have played the whole season, he probably would have been one of the – the best in the league in all-purpose yards as both a returner and receiver, just throwing that out there. Absolutely. So I think that the combination of Charles and Tino, along with missing Justin Bell in there at running back, it allows that play-action run game that they do so well on third downs, as we talked about, to be even more effective. I'm going to go with the defense alignment, Yanni Lindquist. Uh, He's been super impressive to me this year. I thought he was impressive last year when he played with Hamelina, but he was a little bit overshadowed by, you know, the whole head coach situation they had going on. But this year, Yanni Linkwitz has been the driving force on that defensive line. I honestly can't name a lot of players on defense line for Corbio Steelers because when they create pressure, it's number 99. That's the guy I see. Number 99 is creating the pressure. He might, he might not always get the sack. I've seen him miss a couple times because these quarterbacks are pretty athletic in this league. But the pressure is there, and he forces offenses to, one, account for him on the field, and then, two, he makes quarterbacks do what they don't want to do. They usually run away from him. Normally, this dude is creating pressure for the Steelers, and it's constant pressure. Uh, the other guy I have for key players for Cobra Steelers is uh, Eric's favorite player to say today, Ville Linston. My reason for picking Ville is he's the glue on that offense, in my opinion. Well said. Ville is the guy that if we get Ville in, I can put Justin Bell on the sideline and he can get a breather. But I don't want to put him on the sideline and then not be able to run the ball. But if I put him on the sideline, get the ball to Ville, and he gets me a six- or seven-yard game, then I didn't lose anything. I mean, Justin Bell probably would have got like 20, but I still got enough that now we're, we're moving the ball, we're controlling it, and I'm getting my star players some rest. And that's what Ville has been able to do this season is he's been able to get yards that earlier in the season they couldn't get. I know Aku Ortola is a great running back, but he was not as effective as Ville has been at getting more chunk yardage on those run plays. And for a fullback type, you would think that, okay, he only wants to get one or two yards. But I haven't looked at his stats, but he does usually get chunk yardage, five, six yards per carry. That's what they need is someone who can bridge the gap between having Justin Bell, Charles Ward, or Donovan Hayden come in and make a huge play. They just need someone that can kind of keep them going. So he's that glue piece that fits in when they need that break 
so that they can continue to use everyone else at a high rate. And I think that's really great for this team, and it's going to make them even more successful in the playoffs when it comes down to late in the games and having to substitute those players. The last thing we're talking about with the Steelers, their keys to success. What do they need to do to win in these playoffs and eventually even win the championship? What do you got, Eric? Well, defensively, defensively, they simply need to step up like we've been talking about. If they can manage to stop the run and stop the pass well enough, that's definitely a key to success because we can all expect the offense to work well. But as for the offense, one thing that I've been kind of curious about during the whole season is Mr. Charles Wart because um, every single game that he has been playing wide receiver, he's been making big plays and a lot of touchdowns and then perhaps because the uh dino came away from the in injury reserve and back on the field then they put charles more on the on the defensive side of the ball yep but uh he came back during the last last games and had and scored like three touchdowns against the saints again so i think one of the keys to success is to put charles on the receiving end of, of the football that's going to be a big thing uh, my key to success is basically uh, no turning over the ball. I mean, no turnovers for that offense. If they're constantly scoring points uh, on their drives, that's going to put their team in a great position to win these games in the playoffs. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me. And then also defense. Defense has to play sound football. When you when you you get to the better teams, you have to be able to hold your own. You have to be able to make plays. You have to be able to stop those guys. If not, you will not have a chance to win the Maple Bowl. So. Uh, they have to have a sound defense throughout throughout the whole playoffs. I would like to see the offense work the clock. Reason being is they have such a balanced offense to where they can run well and pass. And for some reason, the identity in the, in the Maple League, as we talk about it all the time, Purvis, is just be like the Big 12, score a bunch of points fast. But when you get to the better teams that are able to put up points just as well as you are, I think that having most time of possession and keeping offenses off the field Keeping guys like Brandon Connett from not getting hot will be a big thing for Corpio to do going forward if they reach that next level. We know that they have an offense that can score. I think every time they've played against all of these teams, even the Roosters, they've been able to score over 30 points. And you would think that scoring that many points in the game is a W, but welcome to Finland where 30 points can get you an L. So what you have to do, you need to keep those guys off the field. And like you said, stopping the run on defense. If a team can't run, it's hard to put games away. It's hard to milk the clock. So if Corpio can work the clock, and if the defense can stop teams from running and scoring, I think they got a great shot. Damn it, Jabari. Stop stealing all my notes, man. <laughs> I guess I got to say something different than the tempo and the defense. Uh, one thing I would like to see the Corpio Steelers do is finish more of their drives more emphatically. Uh, they drive the field, and again, I'm just comparing to the few times that they haven't been great, which is when they played the Roosters. And what I've seen in those games is that they've been able to have success and get down the field. But when it came, you know, gut check time or they get close to the red zone, there's a turnover, there's a incomplete pass that could have got them a first down, and then they can't convert on third down, something like that. They need to be more consistent on finishing their drives. That's what I think is going to make them the most successful in the playoffs this year, is being able to drive the, the length of the field and not lose any momentum. Using both big plays and just grinding it out on the ground if they have to, but finishing with points. 
because like Jabari said, they average a lot of points. And I'm looking at stats, they actually average 40 points a game this year. You're averaging 40 points, yet they're also giving up around 36 this year. So they're giving up a lot of points. So even when they score, they need to make sure that they get as many points as possible. Because as I said in midsummer, all they got to do is just outscore their opponents. That's their philosophy, and I'm cool with it. Because if you can score 40 points, this Big 12 football keeps scoring 40 points. But to do that, you need touchdowns, and you don't need turnovers. You can't. They don't throw a lot of interceptions. Seth Peters only thrown three interceptions the entire year, but they do have a knack for fumbling the ball. They do have turnovers from fumbling because they are a run-heavy offense as well. So they need to finish their drives to be successful, and then we will probably see them in the Maple Bowl this year. What's up? Are you enjoying the AFF podcast? Damn right you are. Well, let the world know you enjoy the show. Follow AFF on the Podbean app. Just head over to AmericanFootballFinland.Podbean.com and hit that follow button. You can also find the podcast by searching for American Football in Finland on the Podbean app. The Wassel Royals are the number three seeded team this year. Let's break them down now. Before we get into the Royals team analysis, let's hear from one of their key players, Isaac Fisher, and what he has to say about his team heading into the playoffs. I'm here with Isaac Fisher, the quarterback of the Wassel Royals, as they prepare to get ready for the playoffs this week. Welcome to American Football in Finland, Isaac Fisher. What's going on, man? Uh, Not much, just hanging out. You guys got into the playoffs this season. I mean, I was one of the people who said you weren't going to make the playoffs. What does it really mean to this team? And we know that you guys are a tight-knit group now, a little less flashy than before, but you've played with this team before. What does it mean to the team to get into the playoffs this season? Like, how do you guys feel about it, just knowing that you made it already? I think uh, this year especially, it's uh, very it's, it's very special. It's a very good uh good sign that we made it in the playoffs. We've, we've overcome a lot as far as, I mean, everybody knows we've let some coaches go. We've let some players go, you know, overcoming those, overcoming some adversities throughout the year and then still making it to the playoffs. It's, it's huge. And it shows what this team can do, you know, when, when all odds are against us and when, when everybody's, you know, everything's down and we're still willing to work hard and get to the top. You've had some personnel changes going into the playoffs how do you think that's going to affect you in, in these playoff games? Like, how do you think your personnel situation that you have now, how is it going to work in your favor? Um, offensively, um, I think it'll, it'll be good. We brought yeah, like Nico and we brought the Swedish guys in to Nico, Eric, brought those guys in. That'll be very helpful as it's shown throughout, you know, when past couple of day, games they've been playing with us, it's shown that it's helped, but personnel changes and everything. We got Stacy playing both ways, people going both ways and really just athletes being able to play at both sides of the ball. And yeah, sometimes that can be hard and they can get fatigued, but at the same time when you have those athletes on the field, it's, it helps us out a lot. Royals, you're going to be underdogs going into the playoffs, no matter who you're playing against. Tell us a few reasons why the Royals are going to make some noise and might be able to pull an upset off in these playoffs. Well, like I said, throughout the year, we've just overcome adversity. We've, uh, Showing people that, you know, no matter if the odds are against us, we're going to step up and, and work hard to get to the top. And I think that's what we're doing. I think, you know, coming into the Steelers game, we've, we've been very close twice now to beating them. And if we just uh, put it all together for four quarters, I think we have a 
a really, really good chance of beating them and getting to the championship. All right, Isaac Fisher, appreciate you uh, joining the AFL podcast today, man. Good luck to you guys this weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Royal stats on the season so far, they were number five in the league in points scored, but were number two in points allowed on the defensive side. In total offense, they were number four, averaging 295 yards a game. On defense, they were actually number two, where they had the number two passing defense and a number three rushing defense on the season. Key players for the Wassel Royals are Isaac Fisher, the quarterback, who completed 55.9%, so pretty much 56% of his passes. He was number three in the league in pass percentage completed. He had 1,484 yards passing, eight touchdowns with eight interceptions, and he also added 338 rush yards and another six touchdowns on the ground. Running back Justin Williams was number two in the league in rush yards with 872 and number one in the Maple League this season in, touch, in rushing touchdowns with 12. Stacey Thomas played linebacker and receiver. He led his team in receptions with 23, had 270 yards receiving and two touchdowns. On the defensive side, he had 50 and a half tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, and three forced fumbles. Another defensive standout, Steven Tressfield, the linebacker, had 70 tackles on the season that earned him the number three in the league. He also had 11 tackles for loss, which was, again, number three in the league. He had two sacks and two forced fumbles. On the defensive line, Laurie Hanala had 21 and a half tackles, eight tackles for loss, and three sacks. I'll go first on this team and talk about team strengths for the Wasser Royals going to the playoffs. I know it's kind of difficult to say strengths for this team with them having a personnel situation happening now that they're – biggest offensive weapon won't be there but for me their strength would be grinding it out on the offensive side of the ball holding the ball as long as they can and getting down the field and keeping the scores low this is a team that wants to win 14 to 6 21 to 17 7 to 3 if they can they they do not care about looking good or it being dominant they just want to win For them to do that, they have to grind it out. They need to be able to use all three downs. They're loving third and two. They want to get to third and two. They don't want to get a first down on second down. They want to wait till third down to get it because they need to keep the other team's offense off the field and slow down the game. And they're efficient at what they do, but it's going to be tough for them to keep it on the offensive side the entire game. And the the second strength for them – is that they usually stick to their game plan. This is a team that will literally take all their receivers, put them on the bench, bring in defensive linemen, and run the ball in the middle of the field, not just in the goal line and red zone situations. They've done it in the middle of the field, on the 40-yard line, on the 35. They will say, you know what? We're going to go power formation and run the ball. If they continue to do this in the playoffs, they're dictating terms to their opponents. And that's one thing that they've been able to do when they have won games this year is they've stuck to their game plan. They've controlled the clock and that's what they have to continue doing to be successful. Well, one of the things I, 
I want to point out that Royals has had a very uneven season, yes. but they still managed to keep it together very well towards the playoffs, and they have the third place in the regular season to show for it. So I think um, they have a good spirit going to the playoffs, and I'm, I'm sure they're quite prepared to face the Steelers. And I think the main thing that matches up very well against the Steelers is the fact that defensively, They've been very able during the whole regular season to keep the scores fairly low, even if they haven't won, a, won every game. But the scoring against them, it's I think they're like the second in the league at the moment. The point scored, yes. Points scored against them. So that's definitely one of their strengths. And defense wins championships, as the old, old saying goes. So I think that's the key here. I agree with both of these guys. Like, I think that that's one of the things that because their record overall hasn't shown that people forget that they do have a good defense and their defense actually has talented players like Stacey Thomas over there who's actually been in this situation before. And their defense has been pretty sound when it comes to limiting people from scoring. So I think that that's definitely going to be one of their major strengths because we can't really dictate how their offense is going to play. I think that that's been one of the weakest points of the season is because it's taken the offense a while to kind of get going. I mean, they've had injuries, and they've also had uh, a different identity. I mean, starting the season with getting rid of the head coach and Seppo taking over. So I think that one of the strengths for them is going to be their defense. You, you can never, like, I won't say you can count them out, but you know they're going to, like, try. You know, they're going to fight. And I think that having that on their side coming into a playoff game, you never know what guys will do. You know, they'll step it up to the next level. They'll make plays that maybe they weren't making it during the season. You know, if you get the momentum on their side, man, it's no telling what they could do. So um, I think their strength is just the, that that grit, that fight that, you know, Seppo probably has instilled into that team that, you know, never give up. You don't need a, a lot of superstars to win ball games. You need a lot of superstars to get to the playoffs. And I think he's proven that now. And – they don't have anything to lose. They just have to come out and give everything they got. And, and, and I think that's the strength when you know, you know you're the underdog and when you know people aren't giving you chances. You just got to come out and give everything you got. So, Yeah, I, I think everyone has a pretty decent view on uh, the, the Royals this season that they're a good team but just haven't really, you know, they haven't been on the level of obviously the Steelers and the Roosters. But let's talk about their weaknesses now. And, again, I think it's going to be kind of similar situations for all the strengths they have, they have the same amount of weaknesses. For me, one glaring weakness is that their passing game, not the fact that their passing game isn't great, but the fact that it's non-existent outside of the play action. Like They don't have a systematic passing game. They have to get the run game going for the pass game to work. And if that doesn't happen, they can't go in the shotgun and have plays that work. They have to get matchups. Stacy Thomas, Stacy Thomas has to do some crazy one-on-one matchup, or Nico Peterson has to get wide open because someone can't guard him. That's not really passing offense, and that's something that they need to fix. They need to be able to say, "Okay, it's third and three. They're going to stop the run on this play. We don't have to play action. We're going to line up, run quick game. We're gonna we're gonna run mesh. We're gonna do levels. We're gonna have some type of." systematic passing for this situation because as good as they are at the run they've shown that at times that 
they can't get those first downs by just running the ball. And now they don't even have their best runner. So they really need to work on that passing game outside of the play action. I do love that play action boot where Isaac Fisher finds Jerome Valvin. I've seen that a lot this year. It's iconic. I love it. Valvin's celebrations are really good. So definitely keep that up. But outside of that, the passing game, there needs to be some improvement to the actual passing game away from the play action. Yeah, I had the exact same one, the pa- the passing offense, and of course the obvious obvious uh, loss of Justin, Justin Williams here. Royals is a team that I'm not that well-versed at the moment, but um, I haven't personally been very, very impressed by their... Um, by their d- defensive line performance this season, so I think that's I might peg that as a as a weakness. But the number one was what you said, the passing passing offense, definitely. I think that uh, overall the experience of the Royals is a weakness because they did a ton of rebuilding on this team uh, after the last season, where I think that they lost in the Maple Bowl and uh, they kind of just went a different direction, uh, the no-superstar direction. So I think that that's one of the reasons offensively they've been struggling because they lost a lot of talented guys. They lost the R.J. Longs. They lost the Alpos. And so also I think that that has an, uh, has an effect on my next point, which is their scoring offense. They have a hard time scoring. I think this year through 10 games, they only averaged 20 points a game. And we all know in the Big 12, that's nothing. So – <laughs> they're gonna have to figure out they're gonna have to figure out a way to piece things together like it's kind of hard to see them dramatically going from 20 points a game to 40 30 in the playoffs but that's exactly what they're gonna have to do if they want to get past the team like the Steelers who can score 40 a game very very fast and very easy that's funny because the Steelers average 40.4 and I think the the Royals average 20.2 so it's literally twice as much. Uh, I think the weakness for the Royals right now is uh, just not having that superstar factor. You know, sometimes in some games you need those guys to to you know make make a big play or make a smashing hit or make a great catch and you know get some momentum going towards the team and just get those guys hyped. I think they're constantly waiting, waiting, and waiting for for somebody to make a play instead of making a play. Um, so right now, it's, it's just the ability to make those big plays on a consistent basis. And I think the Royals will have to do that in the playoffs to even have a chance of, of winning. They have to be able to make those big plays and make them happen at any given time in the game. Well, speaking of not having those big players, let's talk about the key players that they do have. I'm going to take this first so I get the easy ones. I'm going to say Isaac Fisher is definitely a key player. Uh, one thing about Isaac Fisher He's not the prototypical uh, quarterback that we're accustomed to seeing that has like the gaudy passing stats and then has all these receivers that he can throw to. He has a limited cast at receiver, but he's a runner and he's shown it this year that his legs is one of his best attributes. And he's been able to supplement the running game with his own running ability and been able to be very effective as a passer his stats aren't as great as some of the other passers in the league, but the guy has completed over 55% of his passes. That's not easy to do. I don't care how many passes you've thrown. He's thrown enough that that's not an easy statistic. So when he does throw the ball, he's really effective, but he also helps in the run game. So he's definitely going to – in this game, he's going to have to step up even more, either running or passing now that they have, they've lost their best rusher. So now he has to kind of fill that void with both his running and passing ability. Another guy, I'm going to leave 
I'm going to leave some guys for y'all. So I'm going to say uh, Steven Tressfield, the linebacker. I'm going to go with, with the French guy. Uh, this dude is impressive. Similar to Donovan Hayden, he goes and gets the ball. doesn't matter where you're out on the field. He's going to go get you. He's going to get to you sideline to sideline. He's the lean tackler for the team. He's also the punter for them, which I think is weird. But he's definitely a player to look out for in this game. And I think that in the playoffs, if they decide to mix something up, he's the guy that people won't expect. That is, He's more athletic than he looks, and he can do a little bit more than just play middle linebacker if they need him to. Well, yeah, besides Fisher and Tressfield, I think um, I feel like Tom Sawston might, might have a key role in trying to make the run game work. Um, and Denny John on the defensive side, I think he's a guy who's been grinding, grinding it out um, every, every, every single game. It might not have the largest tackle stats, but I think he's performing fa- fairly well. I have to agree with you guys. Uh, I really want to see what Isaac Fisher does. I mean, if guys haven't really followed Finnish football for the last few years, and I have because I played against this team, he's been here before with this team. Let's not forget, <laughs> I never forget 2000, and I think it was 16, 16. versus the Santiago Crocodiles where they were at this point, they had a shot, and it came down to really finishing the game, and they just couldn't do it. So I'd like to see how with the cast he has this year, not nearly as talented as he had in 2016, but I'd like to see how he, he manages what he has and to see if he can pull something off. And lastly, I just got to say the whole Vasa Royals defense – like this is just gonna have to be a game where they 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 have to be the team because they they've carried this team the whole season with being able to limit teams and to make plays. So I think that their defense is gonna be the key players for this game. Isaac Fisher definitely and Stacy Thomas. I think Stacy uh definitely has to come out makes makes make a big play for that defense, get those guys confidence going, and um and just be excited to play football. Um, other than that, Isaac Fisher on offense. You know, he's. We all know he he, he tries as hard as he fights every game. Um, it's going to be on him to make some some make that offense make some plays, and they needed to have a chance in the playoffs, and um, they just have to bring it together. You also, use Nico on both sides of the ball. You know, he can play receiver, he can play safety, he can play linebacker. You know, move those guys around, put them in the best position to make plays for your defense and your offense, and uh, they'll and they'll have a shot. I kind of want to speak on the Nico Peterson situation. It's very strange that he's playing offense instead of defense, and he was Sweden's defensive player of the year a couple of years ago <laughs> as a defensive back. So very interesting that he hasn't played in defense as much defense yet. But going the keys to, to success for the Royals, like things that they need to do to be successful in these playoffs, I'm going to say they need to control the game with their run, with their rushing attack. They need to be able – to have long drives and finish them with points. They need to keep their defense fresh. Their defense is good, but it it doesn't have the depth to go back and forth in this Big 12 that we've been calling this league. That's the issue they've been having all year. The team can score 20 points if it really has to. It's built to score 17, 20 points offensively, but the problem is when they have quick drives or they go three and out or they only get one first down, the defense has to get back on the field, and that other team is going to try to score fast. This defense, it gives up big plays sometimes. And what happens is when they get scored on fast, then the offense comes out, shits a brick, and then they're back on defense, and then it kind of snowballs. And they, 
as good as the defense is, the offense, it's up to the offense to keep the defense fresh and grind it out for this team to be successful. On the defensive side, they need to make their opponents drive the field. They need to make every drive count for their opponents like their offense does. They need to limit the big plays. If you've watched any of the games that the Royals have had, you're, it's a very boring game because what they do is they hold their opponents and then their opponents hold them. They punt four or five times a game and then randomly their opponents get these huge plays for touchdowns. And then you're like, why are they losing? If I wasn't, if I took away all those big plays, they're the better team. And that's the difference that they've had all season is they've been giving up big plays on defense at the worst moments possible. They need to limit that. If Brenner go home now, they have to limit the big plays. Yeah, I'm gonna focus specifically on the game against the Steelers, since that's gonna be their their first game in the playoffs. I feel like the two most important keys for their success on the defensive side of the ball is to somehow be able to shut down the passing offense, either either by bringing enough pressure to Peters or somehow being able to cover all the all the multiple targets that he has. Now, this is definitely one of the strengths of of the Royals that they are that their defense can step up and if they manage to win the game it'll be because of the because of the defense and on the offensive side of the ball they need to be able to abuse the Steelers weaknesses now yeah. if they have enough power on the field to get a good rushing game going then perhaps their less effective um, passing game can find some space on the backfield so that those are the those are the two things that so if the Steelers defense needs some work then if the Royals are able to abuse those those uh, critical spots both on on the ground and on the air that's the way they're going to win the game against the Steelers I was agreeing with Eric I think that they need to for one offensively they need to score in the red zone they are uh, some weird way they do get the ball in scoring positions, but they they have I think they're one of the worst at scoring in the red zone, and they need to figure out a way to keep the Steelers' offense off the field. This is the same thing I was saying about the Steelers earlier: is that in these playoffs, time of possession matters. If you can't score, you can't win. And I think that they have the defense to limit big plays and to make teams have long drives but they just have to do it at this point. They can't go into this game expecting the offense and Isaac Fisher and those guys to miraculously become great. So they're going to have to keep high-powered offenses off the field, and they're going to have to score in the red zone if they want to have a chance to make it to the Maple Bowl. I think these guys just have to play a sound game. They have to be able to score on the special teams. They have to be able to make plays happen um, on defense, maybe get some touchdowns on defense. Uh, offense has to come out and finish drives. They can't punt all game, you know, five or six punts, seven punts. You can't have that in a playoff game because that means you're not scoring touchdowns. So uh, I think the Royals actually have to come out and exploit some of the Steelers' weaknesses and uh, try to capitalize on it. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I have to take this time to give some of my listeners a much-needed wake-up call. It's 2018, people. If you're listening to this podcast from a link, you're doing it wrong. Just follow American Football in Finland on the Podbean app. 
and get instant notifications when new episodes are published. If you're too lazy to use the Podbean app, that's okay. AFF is also on the iTunes podcast app. So just type in American Football in Finland and click the subscribe button. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating while you're at it. And Android users can subscribe on Google Play. It's 2018, people. Keep up. Sliding into the fourth playoff spot is the Porvo Butchers. So let's take a look at this team next. The Butcher numbers are pretty bad, but we're going to talk about them anyways. Points scored, they're last in the league. Points allowed, they're third, so their defense was playing pretty well. Total offense, they're last in the league with 261 yards per game. Uh, They're last in passing, fourth in rushing offense. On defensive side, they're number three. They're solidly in the middle right there. Key player stats for the Porvo Butchers. Yane Letton in the quarterback completed 47% of his passes for 1,119 yards, seven touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Interesting stat, he had negative 133 yards rushing this season because of sacks. Running back Darian Hall led the Maple League this season with 1,022 rush yards. He was number three in the league in touchdowns with seven, and he had a 25.6 kick return average. Hall was able to total 1,558 all-purpose yards and was number two in the league this year to all-purpose yards. Receiver Miko Seppinen had 25 receptions, 269 yards, and one touchdown this year. His partner in crime, Daniel Luoma, the other receiver, had 26 receptions, 494 yards, and four touchdowns. On the defensive side, Mitch Daly, defensive back, had 64.5 tackles. He was number four in the league, 9.5 tackles for a loss, and eight interceptions where he was number one in the league in interceptions. Daly was also number two in the league in passes defensed. Uh, let's let's talk about the Butchers. Let's go team strengths for the Butchers. Jabari, you lead it off. What you got? It's going to be tough. Uh, (laughs) I think that, uh, I mean, to be fair, I think that they have a decent defense. I can't just say that. uh, I mean, they've struggled this season. And, I mean, I think it's fair to say that thanks to the the Tampa Bay Saints that they're in the playoffs. So, um, I think they have a decent defense and a balanced running attack when Darian Hall is playing full-time running back. Uh, this team has just had – they've had some bad luck for the last few games. I mean, losing Roman Runner and forcing uh, Darian Hall to have to play both ways, it has kind of diminished their identity of being a powerhouse run team. But they do still have a decent running game, and they do have a decent defense. Uh, their defense is very young, but they're very rowdy. So I think that, you know, they're they're going up against an uphill battle versus the Roosters this first round. But if they do have any strengths, that'll be it. Uh, I think the strength of the Butchers, I put the offensive line, uh, counting specifically on Arto Tenberg as the center. I think that's definitely one of the stronger parts of the Butchers. And Sebastian Carbino on the defensive side is a, is a very strong player. And with that, their line, I think the linebacking de- department of the Butchers is, is fairly good. And just like... Um, uh, Jabari just said the defense is probably on the better side here. More more of a strength than a weakness, definitely. But also, just like you started your your speech, I would say that it is tough 
too far. <laughs> yeah. You it's try true. to uh, figure out something to mark in the strengths column here. Oh, man, it's strength for the poor vote butchers. Uh, I mean, for me, I think they can have, they can hit on some big plays. If it, even if it has to be a trick play, they need some big play to get some momentum going for that offense because – uh, I just don't know, you know, what their plan will be going into the off into the playoffs. But Darian Hall definitely has to be involved um, in the passing game and the running game. He has to play defense. Forward is going to have to pull every trick, everything they have out to have a chance at winning this game. Um, so, as a strength, I'll just say, you know, they have the ability to to win on the big play. So they have to make those all game. I think I'm just going to say what, what everyone is avoiding to say, man. It's weird that a team with three wins got into the playoffs, and this is the team we're talking about, the poor Vogue. <laughs> like, I, I, I just can't tiptoe around it on this episode. I mean, it's just weird that we're, we're trying to come up with strength for a team that only won three games and basically got in the playoffs because another team only won two games. But we're going to do it anyways. You know, we try to give everybody a fair shot. A fair shake uh, for team strengths for the butchers. I think that they have to utilize Darian Hall. Uh, no one wants to say that the butchers' offense is even remotely good or consistent at any point, but somehow Darian Hall has a thousand yards rushing. That means, if anything, he's done something right. Because even when you watch the games, you're still thinking like. How is he having plays by himself, but he's not been able to score as much because they don't have the situations that he needs. But this dude is also playing defense for the second half of the year, playing cornerback at that, which is a very tiring position, chasing these uh, spread offenses that score 40 points a game, and then also being able to to rush for over 100 yards a game as a running back. They got to use him until he's done. They, I mean, I don't want to go into the, the racial situation of it, but – Y'all got to ride that pony. Like, whatever way you can get him the ball as in the run game, in the pass game, shit, if you got to put Darren Hall at quarterback and run some wildcat, they need to do it because he's that guy. He is what they have. They have a lot of good supporting cast that can make plays here and there, but it goes through Darian Hall. He's the workhorse of that team. He's the most successful aspect they have if they don't have Darren Hall someone else has to step up and like what Q said earlier it's going to be about big plays they need big plays to score because they have to score to win in this league and honestly it's hard to say a team has only won three games gonna be able to put up the points to do it the second strength I have for them is Mitch Dolly has to create turnovers on the defensive side. He's the guy that's been able to do it. He's been able to force fumbles. He's been able to strip the ball. He's been able to get interceptions. That's why their offense has been able to be in games this year is that their defense has helped them when they need it to. Their defense is suspect to the big play like anyone else, similar to the Royals. They give up the big play. But different than the Royals is that Mitch Daly, I'm saying him specifically because he is the guy that does it the most. He's led the league this year in interceptions, takes the ball away from their opponents enough that it keeps the game close. In this game, they're going to need to create as many turnovers as possible to give their offense more opportunities to make up for the deficiency of the offense in the first place. Talking about weaknesses, go ahead, Jabari. What weaknesses do they have? Their offense is their major weakness. I think that this season they finished last in almost every offensive category. 
So I think that that's definitely their weakness and also injury. As we said earlier, that they probably won't have their starting quarterback and their big-time playmaker, Darian Hall. So that's definitely a weakness for them going into the playoffs. Yeah, you you had the exact same choices that I had. Like this, uh, I wrote here uh, relevant losses in the roster. Firstly, Roman Runner with his small one-down stint as an up-and-coming quarterback. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then losing Darian Hall if he's injured and and Janne Lehtinen, who is the only starting Finnish quarterback at the moment. And even, like I think still stat-wise, he was on the bottom end, but still lo- losing him is a huge hit. And because um, Runner and Hall were very effective on defense also, so I feel like all literally all the best players, not counting the, the offensive and defensive line, they've literally lost their best players, like three of the best players. Okay, maybe discounting Mitch, Mitch Daly here, but but huge losses, and I'm really having a hard time to trying to put them go ahead the Roosters in any way, especially as Jabari said that the offense just isn't cutting it. Their ability for any decent running game has been completely crippled with the loss of Darian Hall, and and even with Lehtinen, and their passing offense hasn't been able to cut it. So it's a really Really high mountain for them to climb this uh, this weekend. I think their weaknesses right now is just they have no depth on offense or defense. Um, none of their playmakers, their big time playmakers, it seems like will be playing. Uh, it's like a miracle for those guys to to win this game. But the guys that are playing, they just have to give it all they got and 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 just do what they can. But not having your playmakers, not having your starters there that's normally there is not giving you much of a chance. So. That's a major weakness is, is no depth on either side of the ball. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm just going to say their weaknesses is the fact that they're in the playoffs and not starting their offseason and getting healthy. Yes, of like, course. It's a weakness that they have to play in this game pretty much. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not even going to go into it, man. It's, it's tough for them right now. But let's talk about the key players that they do have now that we know that they don't have their starting quarterback and running back. Jabari, key players who you got? Well, you're going to have to say Mitch Daly and Miko Seppinen because those are the only guys that they really have left that are of quality of big plays. So what I'm expecting to see is we're probably going to see Seppinen step in and play quarterback because he's had to do it a few times this season. And now it's how much can you ask Mitch to do and is it really worth pushing him to the limit for this last game? Because in my opinion, them being in the playoffs was a gift and them pushing guys when they really should be in off season with the rest of the guys, is probably not even worth it. But those are the two key players that I see making the biggest difference. If it makes a difference. Yeah. I picked exactly Mitch Daly and Mikko Seppanen as well for the obvious reasons, Mikko being the backup quarterback and Mitch Daly is definitely going to be running on both sides of the ball. <laughs> and it's all about really how, how hard is he going to be able to play for the, for the whole game. But the last guy I had on my list was Artu Tenberg. And perhaps if he somehow manages to keep the spirits of the offensive lineup, he could be a key player in this game against the Roosters. Uh, my key player was none other than Miko Seppinen. I mean, he has to, he has to make all the players he possibly can. Um, if he's going to be the quarterback in this game, he has to find a way to somehow get the ball in the end zone. So uh, I think we'll have to see one of the, you know, kind of Peter Ward performance from him um, at quarterback. 
just to just to make the game exciting. He can, you know, run the ball. He he can make some things happen. So he'll he'll be my guy. How about this, Q? Explain who Peter Warwick is to some of these people who might not know out there. Uh, Peter Warwick is, is was one of the I say Florida State Seminoles best receiver ever, uh, best athlete ever, and uh, he he you know he had to come in and game and play and play quarterback and, and, and just balled out. So Miko Seppinen, you know I'm through a I threw a great name out there for you to give you some 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 confidence. So hopefully you can go out there and make something happen for your team. Yeah, I just want to throw a little tidbit of information. Peter Ward played for Florida State. He was he finished in 2000. He was drafted in the NFL draft in 2000. So if you're looking for this guy on like YouTube or something, now that y'all have heard Coach Q say it, Peter Ward, Florida State, 1998, 1999. Look it up. He probably has a YouTube video or something. So y'all understand what he's talking about. <laughs> Key players. I'm gonna go outside the box on this one, fellas. I'm gonna go outside the box. Ville Kervinen. This is uh, a two-way because as a defensive end, that's a bad man. Like he is, he's the guy. He's gonna be the guy giving them pressure. But also with the situation they're in, you you can't you don't be have surprised to come back and play receiver. Exactly. You you're not gonna be surprised to see him play receiver, and he's really good at receiver as well. I mean, he's about 55,000 years old now, but you can't tell. He's a fireman. He's in hell of a shape, and he's going to be out there, and he bleeds. What color is the butchers? Black black and, and, and black and gold, baby. He bleeds that. So he's going to be putting his body on the line out there so that they have a competitive chance in this game. And he's definitely a player to look out for, number 44, playing receiver and defensive end. You'd be surprised how talented this guy is, and I think that that's why they even moved him to the defensive side is because he's such a true butcher that, man, whatever whatever this team asks him to do, he'll do it. So don't be surprised. And, I mean, he's not a, he's not a small guy. He's probably, he probably would be one of the biggest receivers on, on their roster, so he could make something happen if Sepinkin can throw him a jump ball or two. He's fast, too, though. He'll, he'll outrun yeah. the cornerbacks real he's quick. He's still wearing them same Nikes that he started with, too. Keys to success. This is kind of a very difficult one, but what are some things that the Butchers can do to maybe not win the game? Because I feel like that's a foregone conclusion, but to at least keep it competitive and and give them a shot in this game. What do you does, think are some of the things they can do? Does voodoo count? Besides spreading, spreading uh, Darian Hall around, I think the defensive special team has to make plays because – we know their offense is going to struggle. So if defense and they can have some luck on special teams, they can be successful. But I think for them, considering all factors, I think success for the poor Vu Butchers is leaving this game with no more injuries. Going into a game where it's really, really, really hard to see them even competing to a top level, I think if they can walk with the 22 guys that they have away healthy and can start going towards the offseason and reflecting on what they did this year, I think that that's the most successful thing that they can do. It's really simple. I mean, if, if we're even considering that they can win the game, that somehow they have to find a way to limit the Roosters enough that they can just hold their own. And then then again, on, on some way, they must find a way to bust through their defense. But I, as we've been going from the strengths and weaknesses, it's I'm just going to go with, well, Magic, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Magic or voodoo? 
the keys to success for the Porvo Butchers to have a chance in this game is to kidnap Brandon Adam. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, man. They're going to have to kidnap these guys and not hope that they make it to the game because oh. right now it seems like Porvo doesn't have a chance, uh, especially with those guys being out. Not the, not the guys that are there, but, I mean, you, you want all you guys there playing healthy for the playoff game. So um, they're going to need a miracle. They're going to need it. They're going to need Brandon to catch the flu or something before the game. So, I mean, but on a, ser- <laughs> on a serious note, I mean, they just have to make plays. They have to, to some kind of way find a way to compete. Um, it's not out of the question anything can happen in the game. So, they just have to come out and fight. I think what I'm going to say outside of the magic and stealing players from the other team and kidnapping – for the butchers to to be competitive in this game, for them to keep it close early, I think their defense is going to have to play on another level. They're going to have to force the offense into turnovers. And not only are they going to have to make the offense turn the ball over, the defense has to score. Like they're not they they can't just create turnovers. They need pick sixes. They need scooping scores. And then they need to have the offense, and now we're talking about the game, the Roosters, they need to make the Roosters do what they want the Roosters to do instead of what the Roosters want to do. And even when I say that, it doesn't make sense. So that's what I said. Magic. <laughs> like, it, it sounds like I'm just lying to myself. I'm sorry. But for them to be successful in this game, they have to force their opponents into unwanted situations and then capitalize on those situations at a very high level. That's for them to be successful. I'm not sure if they can actually do that with the roster that they have because they've been decimated by injuries. But I do wish them the best of luck to trying to do that. This is the final words portion of the show. This is where I like to give my guests the opportunity to use this platform to push whatever agenda tickles their fancy if you're selling something if you got a company if you want to say hi to your grandma shoot your shot right now and i'll let the new guest go first eric shoot your shot use aff thank you purvis um i want to say that i have been looking for the the match next weekend for years I was so hyped up when the Steelers went to the Spaghetti Bowl last season, and they've had a dream-like season in 2018. And we're now actually going to have a real, real shot to get to the Maple Bowl. And as the announcer guy, I've been living it right with the team for, for years. So this is it's, it's going to be a really great weekend for me, and I hope we're going to have a great football event and get up at least over a thousand spectators to the Vanillin Niemi Stadium. And after the game, I hope people are going to tune into my Touchdown Steelers podcast for me and Tuukka Heiskas's uh, analysis. Where can, they, the where, can they find, where can they find the podcast? You can find the podcast on Facebook, uh, Touchdown Steelers, just search for it, or uh, facebook.com slash Steelers and on SoundCloud, touchdown-steelers. Uh, next up, uh, Jabari, shoot your shot, man. Oh, man. First of all, I just want to say congratulations to all the teams for 
even making it to the playoffs. I mean, I think that this has been one of the most interesting seasons of, of Maple League football. And the way that it's played out has definitely not been how we would have guessed. But uh, congratulations to all the teams that's participating. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to my team, also the ECD Giants, and all the people that participated um, this year with us, our fans, our families. And also to uh, shout-out to the Helsinki Wolverines, man, for winning the Spaghetti Bowl and looks to be going up to the Maple League. So I hope you guys are prepared to go up there and get a piece of the action next year. Here, here. What about you, kid? (laughs) Well, I just my last words are just saying good luck to all the teams that that are in the playoffs. Um, special shout out to Coach Pecker, man, for Corpio. You know that I, I've been 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 around him a lot in the football years I've been in Finland, and uh, this is what he's doing right now is is looking good for the organization. It's a great opportunity for his team, you know, to to possibly make it to the Maple Bowl. So, uh, just a shout out to them. Shout out to all the teams though, and all the coaches that are putting in time, you know, for these last few months to get to this point. You know, it, it, it's all paying off now, and, and, and good luck for the, for the playoffs. And uh, also check out Coach Q's Top 10 Players of the Week when you get a chance. That's it for American Football in Finland. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, obviously, got to do some type of Maple Bowl preview next week. Haven't figured out what I'm going to do yet, but we'll be here on AFF. And never forget, T-I-F. American Football in Finland is now on iTunes. Please rate the show and subscribe today. If you really like the podcast, follow AFF on the Podbean app. Search American Football in Finland and hit that follow button. And for all you loyal AFF listeners, we are now accepting Podbean patrons. Click become a patron on the AFF page and pledge your loyalty. Thanks for listening. American Football in Finland.